Welcome to Dithering Preview, a podcast about a podcast. It is hosted by me, Ben Thompson, and John Gruber. We have a paid podcast called Dithering, and this podcast lets you get a preview of the sort of content that you can listen to if you subscribe. The real Dithering is three episodes per week, 15 minutes per episode, not a minute less, not a minute more, not a second more, typically. No, always, unless we, unless we screw up. <laughs> Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in, uh, in the U.S. And you can subscribe at dithering.fm if you like what you hear. Right. And it is so easy to sign up. Oh, my God. That's a, I, my favorite feedback from people is when they tell us how easy it was to sign up. And it might, you might think, uh, I don't know, signing up for a paid podcast and there's some kind of login and it's going to be complicated. No, it's so easy. Yep, sign up, and it plays in your regular podcast player. Yeah, and you get like a link. You just tap it, and you pick your favorite podcast player, and then all of a sudden, you have a subscription to your dithering account with the paid podcast. But we've got this one where we once a month, we come out with an episode. So you can find this podcast, the one you're listening to right now, and you can hear clips from all of our episodes from the last month to get a taste of what it's like. Enjoy. October 2nd, the Coinbase Debate. If, if you say someone can be held guilty for not doing something, where is that line where you, you no company and no person can be responsible for all the problems in the world? And, and so it, it's just very tricky to think about where that line should be drawn. Yeah, and I guess this whole thing started with a – and of course it's on Medium. Uh, <laughs> I saw somebody – one of the best tweets I saw about it was if when the CEO posts on Medium, you know it's probably wrong. Uh <laughs> It's sort of like Ian Betteridge's law of headlines, where if a headline ends in a question mark, the answer to the headline is probably no. Um, uh, it's I I I don't have strong feelings about this, and maybe I should. And obviously, it it just seems like the current discourse is such that everything leads to a strong feeling, and it seems like there are people who even agree with this post, whose agreement is way too strong to me. It's like, yeah, it's like, I, I get it. Like the, the basic gist is let's leave politics at the door when we work. We we're focused on this cryptocurrency business. That's enough for us. October 5th, the COVID blackjack hand. It wasn't like, oh, it turned out in, you know, they had this secret thing where they, everybody was packed together in the Rose Garden and then they had a reception indoors in the White House and nobody was wearing masks and it was a secret. It all took place in public. You know, the, we saw it happen. There was media was, there, right? It was televised. It was yeah, right. on yeah. TV. And even the indoor part of it, which, you know, we all... Well, not all, obviously, but everybody who's paying attention and believes in the science of the spread of this disease and is sort of following the best guesses at this point, best scientific guesses as to how it spreads and what type of situations to avoid. The indoor part, which is more dangerous, again, wasn't secret. That part wasn't televised per se, but there were press, you know, <laughs> the New York Times had photographers there and, and it all was there in front of us. And, and so, yeah, in hindsight, it's like, yeah, actually, if this is the way they were acting nonstop throughout the whole summer, it, I, I, it's almost like most surprising, like plot wise, <laughs> if you're going to treat this whole <laughs> bit of ongoing history as it comes as a show, plot wise, it seems a bit too rich for it to happen one month before the election. It's That's like, right. come it on. It should have happened in like August or something like that. 
But also statistically, it feels like it should have happened before. Like, you know, he's obviously been playing extremely fast and loose. October 7th, the antitrust report. This is the same committee that had uh, Tim Cook and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Sundar Pichai testify before them what feels like three years ago, but was actually... <laughs> it wasn't like, yes, that long ago. Two it was like ago. a shockingly short amount of time ago. It was two months ago. Uh, August, it was at the end of July, so August and September passed. Uh, their report is out. I have to say that from what, and I, I have to admit, we have to admit that we did not read all 449 pages yet. Yeah, I, I'm about 29 pages in, is as far as I got. I feel very vindicated at the dithering take based on the preliminary evidence that they released in the, the hearing. Yeah, I do too. And actually, one of my, when I wrote, wrote about it the week after we recorded, I brought up the idea of sort of begging the question. And the way I got into it was, you know, it was used incorrectly in the, in, during the hearing. But what begging the question actually means, you've sort of pre-decided mm. the outcome and then you're stating it. And to me, that was a problem with the hearing where it felt like they had yeah. already decided their position. And that is sort of verified by the fact that this report is kind of not really any any surprises. And I find it a little disappointing in that regard, just because it feels like it was decided that these four companies are bad. Let's figure out why they're bad and go from there. October 9th, tech and monopoly. And for doing Facebook-like things, Facebook has a monopoly and maybe... What was that thing that? Uh, Sorry, can I jump in? Can I jump in? Yeah, because I I think you just you just put the sentence that I was trying to get at, <laughs> which is you you can't define you can't look at a product and it's it's way to do something and then backward back into a market definition, right? 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 You can't say Facebook is a monopoly on doing Facebook things. It's like, well, yes, that that's that's true, right? So there was MySpace, which was sort of a Facebook type thing. I, 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 it was such a flash in the pan in hindsight. And Twitter is sort of a Facebook like thing. But as time goes on, we see it as very clearly Twitter is Twitter and Facebook is Facebook. And it's just hard to say, you know, Instagram is definitely Facebooky in a lot of ways, but that's why they gobbled them up. Right. And TikTok, for example, I just made this argument. It's not like Facebook because it's right. not really a social network, but it is user generated content like Facebook and it is competing for advertising like Facebook. And you are either watching TikTok on your phone or you're watching Facebook or any, you know, or a huge number of other things. And, and I think that that's the problem with getting into sort of like, if you think about it, what is scarce here? Like, what is the thing that they're fighting over? What's the thing that only one company can have at any given time? It's, it is the attention of users. October 12th, all out of rhythm. You're a much bigger NBA fan than me, but there's something, the sports world, even for the sports you don't follow, it, it you just know, you know, it's like, I, I'm not a big tennis fan, but I know Wimbledon is generally sometime around the 4th of July. And which I, I don't know how I know that. It just, I just have these associations in my mind where there's times around the 4th of July and Wimbledon's on TV. And it's like, I don't know. It just does not seem right that baseball playoffs are on. And oh, also the NBA finals. It's like, what? <laughs> right. It just seems like something out of a dream. You know, like, oh, I had a dream that I was watching uh, the American League Championship Series and I flipped the channel and the NBA finals were on. I think that's exactly it. Just everything's sort of a little out of whack. And 
it's weird because it, it is really disconcerting because there's, you know, it's like when you learn how to drive and when you're a new driver, like you're saying, you're paying super close attention to everything yeah. and just sort of observing, you know, you, you're, you're super locked in and almost like you finish driving, you're tired because you've just been so, I remember when I, I've traveled like Japan or to Australia and rented a car and if you're driving the other side of the road, it's exhausting because you're focusing so hard on being on the, the opposite side of the road and which way to turn that you, you drive for an hour and you're just exhausted afterwards. And, and I feel like 2020 is like we've been driving the opposite side of the road, right? Like what we normally, all the stuff that's sort of in the background in the subconscious and sort of a normal way, the rhythm of things is all messed up. October 14th, the iPhone 12 event. It was almost a reprise of the original iPhone event with sort of the AT&T Randall Stevenson on there. And yep. in that case, it, it was it, what was striking was in that case, that was at the end where they did all the iPhone introduction and they bring on the carrier. And you kind of understand like they had to launch with someone and obviously cellular took a big risk. And it, it was a it was a big risk. It wasn't just that they were launching with a new phone, but they gave up control like in the process of like before that carriers wanted to control the entire experience. And that's why Verizon famously turned Apple down you know, singular at the time, soon to be AT&T, sort of changed to that. And yeah. in this case, Verizon actually led the show, right? There was a long Verizon interlude before you even got to the the, the iPhone unveiling. Yeah. Uh, you're forgetting Stan Sigmund was the, the CEO. Oh, that's singular. right. That's right. I, I, I When I said it, it's, it didn't sound right. That, <laughs> how, can, yeah. how can you forget Stan? The, I know. The least, the least dynamic. <laughs> I know. Oh, I was thinking about when I saw when Hans was up there. I'm like, yeah, he's a much better presenter. Oh, uh, the least dynamic public speaker <laughs> in the history of Apple. At the most incredible keynotes. event. Is At like the most history. incredible event of all time. <laughs> you, really, you really have expected him to be like, who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> I know. When you hear the stories that AT&T never even saw the the iPhone before it was unveiled, uh, you see him and you're like, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> October 16th, more on iPhone. You pointed out that in a way, Apple's refusal to talk about RAM, This you said this off, off air, but in a way, Apple's refusal to talk about RAM, they've shot themselves in the foot marketing-wise because it looks like because they don't talk about RAM that they're making the pro raw stuff pro device only out of what I call marketing spite. Yep. Whereas yep. if if it actually is... Uh, four gigabytes of RAM versus six gigabytes of RAM, which is a, a huge increase. Right, it's a fifty percent increase. It's a lot. Right. Yeah, that's a lot. By you know, you could say, well, it only it's only two extra gigabytes, but you know, fifty percent is actually by percentage, it's huge. Then it makes all sorts of sense, and you could say, oh, and and these these are things. Some of these, most of the differences are sound like you know, without being an expert in imaging software, it certainly sounds RAM hungry to me. To go from, for example, the Pro Dolby, Dolby Pro, whatever the hell, Dolby Vision, whatever the hell they call it, the high definition Dolby video shooting thing on the regular 12 models is 30, 30 frames per second. Per second. Yep. And on the Pro models goes to 60 frames per second. Well, that seems like something that having more RAM actually would help with. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I, I hate getting stuff wrong. We've talked about this, right? right. The best way to get stuff wrong <laughs> is to come back and correct yourself. But in this case, I'm looking at Apple and I, you know, kind of like my hand on my hip. I'm like, come on, guys. October 19th, Twitter's New York Post takedown. You could say everybody doesn't trust the New York Times and everybody doesn't trust CNN or Anderson Cooper. And it's less, you know, that's more true. It's more true that fewer people trust them than ever before. But 
it still matters because so many people trust them and they still are the best and most trusted news sources. And if they're not running the story, that's what keeps it quiet. And they're the ones whose judgment of this, it, this doesn't really bear the weight. You know, this is, this is a, <laughs> not even close. It's, you know, like those bounty paper towel ads. And no, again, it, it, it's like, it, it's closer to the National Enquirer than it is the New York Times. And I'm so glad yeah. you brought up the Hillary's email thing because that's exactly where my mind has gone. Like it, the, the whole, th- there's this weird response to the last election where it's like, oh, we have to stop misinformation. But like the problem with misinformation, the, the core thing was the email story. And right. the email story and the reason why it got so much traction was because of the New York Times. Right. Like that, those two things are inextricably linked. Macedonian teenagers on Facebook are not getting traction with their stories. And the New York Post, bless their heart and bless their headlines, is not getting traction with a planted story. Like, it, right. like it has to be picked up. And it's this weird thing where it felt like in a sense to escape responsibility for that. All of the blame was dumped on Facebook in particular and social media generally. Yeah. October 21st, reviewing the iPhone 12. Everything in my life I've ever procrastinated on, no matter how many years ago it was, I blame on COVID. Because now, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> even though I did this original transfer for Mother's Day, like probably four or five years ago, right now, in my mind, it's all COVID's fault. Because if it wasn't That's for right. COVID, you would have gotten it done. Yep. I would have done it in the last six months for sure. I guarantee you, with a whole bunch of other stuff. That is amazing. I love it. I I, I love it. I'm absolutely going to steal it. It's like a, it's like a get-out-of-jail-free card for ba- everything in your life. Right. Rather than actually going through your list of stuff that you've been procrastinating and doing it, you should just go through the list and keep it in your mind and then tell everybody in your life that it, you haven't done it because of COVID. That's right. So I, I'm glad to hear the camera is better. That's yeah. great. Because one of the reasons to get the Max is because I mean, Max camera is probably going to be incredible. It's gonna it have must be because that bigger yeah. sensor and the better lens. Yeah. Uh, but but I don't want to hear about that because I decided to get the regular one, which is showing up uh, on Friday. I, I just I just can't do the size. The Max is it's like fat. But but what what is, what is different about the size about the 12? October 23rd, Quibi Justice. Just to be clear, what I don't like is when he suggests that Facebook and Google are selling your data right. because that they're they're not selling your data. Now, what's interesting is I, I completely agree and have a much bigger issue with all these data brokers that actually do sell your data. Right, right. right. Whereas Google and Facebook, I actually feel better about because they're actually not selling your data. I don't like it when he insinuates that. Right. But you know, just to just to cover my bases, that's right? My, that's and what and. And why would they sell your data? Because the data is the most valuable thing. They're keeping it, hoarding it, using it, being smart about it, and using the data to intelligently sell your attention. That's right. Based on the data. Yep. Um, but the the basic pitch there is those guys like Google. He's they've emphasized, they've mentioned Google. Um, but Google and Facebook in particular, they don't guard your privacy. They don't care about your privacy. They abuse your privacy to make their money. We don't. But they they take but. <laughs> tens ten plus billions of dollars a year from Google in this secretive deal for default search engine placement, particularly in iOS. Uh, and how where does that money actually come from? Where does the money that Google why does Google see it as worth ten, fifteen, maybe up to eighteen, twenty billion dollars a year to pay Apple? For this, by doing all the things that Tim Cook says Google is doing wrong, their Apple yep. is taking a huge chunk of that. Yep. October twenty sixth, baseball and the Elam ending. 
most of the time it is supposed to be played in theory like soccer, where the clock is running, a team has the ball, they're trying to score, and and at some point they'll have to take an action and give the other team a chance to have the ball back. And this whole, well, we can sort of, within the rules, you know, we can game the rules by fouling the other team on purpose, stops the clock, stops the flow. And it's it's just not good. It, it fixes the incentives problem. It fixes right. the incentives problems, right? Because the problem with fouls is fouls are supposed to hurt the defensive team. And right. you know you're in a bad state with a sport when the when you're basically the incentive for something gets flipped on its head. And so when it's good for you to foul, you're prob- there's something fundamentally wrong there. Because the whole point of fouls is to reward the offensive team and hurt the defensive team. And when it becomes the case you're actually rewarding the defensive team and hurting the offensive team, that's a problem. You know, soccer fixes this by never stopping the clock, which actually is pretty... It is a very pure sport in that way, right? Like There's, there's nothing you can do... To- to stop the clock if you're down by a goal, you know? You, yeah, well, but the problem in soccer is the running out the clock where, like, the goalkeeper right. is taking forever to kick it. And it's right. Like, they get a whistle for a yellow card, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But it's still, it's still better than, I think, the basketball situation. And it doesn't it, – it's not contrary to the spirit of the, the game. <laughs> right. It's, it's pushing the rules as opposed to, like, inverting them. October 28th, Facebook Gaming. Did you see the Facebook Gaming thing, by the way? No, I don't I, – I, I'm out of touch. <laughs> I think it's super interesting because it sounds like, oh, oh, look at this. Yet another company watching a streaming gaming service, blah, 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 right? But I actually think it's it's that and Microsoft are the two most interesting ones. I think the Google and Amazon ones are kind of boring. They're basically just like consoles in the cloud. If, you have, if you're putting this in the cloud, you should do something interesting around like the business model or something along those lines where, you know, Microsoft's doing the whole all in on subscription. You can access all these games and you don't necessarily have to stream them, right? You can download the games to your console and play them like regular games, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas what Facebook's doing, they're basically doubling down on their advertising business. And so you can have a situation where, and I think the most compelling use case right now is you can have a game and not just a HTML5 type game, which has this capability now, but like a proper, you know, like they have like a, a racing game, Asphalt, Asphalt Legends or something like that. And you can literally start playing the game in the middle of an app. And so you can jump into the game and you're just playing it because the game is actually streaming from, from Facebook. And then you, if you like the game, you want to keep it, then you can click add the game or buy it and, and you get kicked to the app store and install it. And it's, it's makes a lot of sense because it's actually taking an existing sort of business model and experience that people have shown they like today and just making it that much better and easier to access both for developers and and users it, it's really quite interesting october 30th the section 230 hearing and honestly i it, the sort of takeaway the conventional wisdom is that all conventional you know conservatives are just trying to make political points and blah 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 here's the deal the it was kind of fortuitous i think for the republicans that this hearing was scheduled before the new york post thing went down but it made for a very, like, there was a very tangible issue to, to talk about. And I said this, I think we talked about on Dithering. I definitely wrote it in the day, in my article after the antitrust one, which is, you know, Democrats talk about antitrust. Their framing is that it's a political issue because we have these big, powerful companies. Do we want that? But the stuff they actually talk about is all the economic stuff. Whereas the Republicans, and they're complaining about bias and censorship. That is that is a political issue, right? They're talking about political speech. And it's weird where like the Democratic framing 
the the actual torch is being carried by the Republicans. And that felt so clear in this hearing. It's like the Republican objection is quite straightforward. The, you two companies in particular, Facebook and Twitter, control speech and you are biased uh, towards one towards one side. And again, leaving aside whether you agree with that or not, it's very sort of like, you know, in politics, being very simple and like cutting to the chase, you know, makes a big difference. And particularly in the context of the post thing, it, it, it I thought it did that. It was very clear. It cut through and it was a challenging discussion, I think, for for Dorsey in particular. A lot of iPhone talk this month, which makes sense because uh, the iPhone came out late and then you had multiple reviews and then I got an iPhone. But hey, it's, it's that time of year. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing was the uh, the election. The election is going <laughs> yeah. on. And we had the whole Twitter and Facebook and the New York Post. Uh, it, I actually thought we had some really great episodes about that topic in particular that were probably more clear than whatever the news <laughs> was actually about. <laughs> uh, and don't forget Quibi. <laughs> we'll never get to talk about Quibi again. And yeah, you can listen to us talk about Quibi or all these other topics. Go to dithering.fm and subscribe. And uh, we look forward to seeing you three times a week. 15 minutes an episode. Not, not a minute less, not, not a minute more. more.